0: Emma, would we ever listen to I Doubt It with Dall No, we wouldn't, would we, baby girl?
1: (laughs) The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and
2: comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore.
1: All right, everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 477. I'm your host, Jesse Dolomore, the sickly. Jesse Dollimore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the non-sickly, Brittany Page.
3: The sickness has taken you down.
1: I think what happened is, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. I think what happened is uh, I never quite got over it the first time
3: mm-hmm.
1: when I was sick a day.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then like, wow, holy shit, one day and I'm back at it. Yeah. It kind of lingered. Mm-hmm. And then we went on the trip this weekend, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh immediately yeah. I, I was on Dayquil on the way up there. Yeah. And uh it's no <laughs> it's a, a runny nose and a stuffy thing and I'm like a I'm like uh <laughs> it's it's just not good. I'm this guy. I'm this guy at night. No truck. Baby. Meaning mouth breather. Mm. So uh, I, I sleep with my mouth open, breathing in, and then I wake up, and my, it's like the Sahara Desert inside my mouth and throat.
3: Yeah. And
1: then, you know, anyway, not not good. Just uh, not even feeling like I'm on the mend.
3: Yeah, that's a bummer. Well, we appreciate you showing up and, and doing the show for us. Um,
1: the weekend was fun, though.
3: Yeah. Well, and speaking of dry throat i what a crazy situation you drive two and a half hours out to a different part of california and you go up a few thousand feet in elevation and you're screwed in terms of your skin being dry as hell yeah my lips turned into two scabs that i was rubbing together um (laughs) I would put chapstick on and it was just two yeah. greasy scabs that I could hardly wow. I could hardly wow. keep on my face, honestly. It
1: is uh well, at least you have like the lady stuff that you always you you always have creams and shit just hanging around to 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 apply to mm-hmm. your skin and lips. Yes. I don't have any of that.
3: Well, they make that. I look like
1: Jim Halpert on the office all weekend.
3: <laughs> they they make that. It's just that you choose not to. Carry it with you, yeah. or, or have it in close proximity to you at all times. Not
1: into taking care of myself, I guess
3: well, that's that's a problem. but we we did enjoy enjoy the snow. There was plenty of snow, I think, like five inches.
1: Oh, uh, well, there was a pretty major storm that happened the uh, the night, the second night, Yes, the second night. And yeah. it was. I mean, it was six inches at least that fell on the ground.
3: It was beautiful, and we ended up driving into town that day, and I was very stressed out because even though I am from Idaho and I have driven in the snow, um, I haven't for a very long time. I'm now a California driver, probably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a California driver who uses their signal, so... You're a little better than a California driver.
3: That's true. That's yeah. true. Thank you for that credit. Um, but at one point I had to move the car into a spot that had a lot of snow and it was just not gripping at all. And I just started screaming because <laughs> that's what you do yeah, when things go-to. are out of control. <laughs> <laughs> really helps.
1: Really helps. But it was a good time up there. I, I think it um I wanna say it's the first time I've seen snow since having moved to California. Oh, really? I don't know that I've been anywhere Mm
4: -hmm.
1: during the winter when there was snow. Yeah. I don't know. But it was a good time. There were some good friends. Yeah. uh, Relaxing. Yep. Drank some drinks. Mm -hmm. Ate some food, which was also a production in and of itself.
3: Yeah. Talk about that, because that was really interesting. So you made two dinners while we were up there for everybody. uh, Chicken, scampi, and red beans and rice. And because of the altitude difference the cooking time was completely different.
1: I was, uh, it was, the the, with the red beans and rice I did the first night, and that's usually like a three-hour deal, um, and that's slow cooking, three hours. And we were like five hours in, and the beans just weren't having it. They were just like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to absorb water today.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, <laughs> I was just noodling, like, what could it be? Almost in a panic. Mm-hmm. Well, panic might be a little extreme, but... And uh, then I remembered, holy shit! It's we're at like seventy two hundred feet. Yeah, is where we were elevation wise. And mm-hmm. uh, boil water boils at a lower temperature because of the air pressure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So th- you think that the the water is
3: boiling and ready to go? It's a
1: crazy. Oh, it's super hot. Yeah, and it's hot, but it's not boiling hot.
3: Yeah, you could just stick your hand in there, and everything well. would be fine.
1: <laughs> Everything except for your hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it took a lot longer. It was a, it, kind of weird, but... A good lesson. Yeah, well, A good science experiment. Yeah, don't
3: move to a place that's <laughs> high
1: elevation. I think that's the lesson.
3: Yeah, what a pain in the ass to live in those places and have to... I mean, the the cooking time for that dish was doubled. Yeah. Or would need to be doubled, probably, yeah. in order to yeah. have it have it work out yeah, the way know. that you want it.
1: I, some, not something I would want to do.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a lot of... <laughs>
1: A lot of eating out.
3: Cooking would no longer be something that is enjoyable for you.
1: Yeah. Well, it's already. I mean, I, you know, I have meat sauces that I make that take five hours. Mm -hmm. Can you
3: imagine? Yeah.
1: (laughs) A 10 hour meat sauce. What is happening? I'm
3: sure that would be a really good meat sauce.
1: No, no bueno. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a good time and we're back. Yes. It wasn't quite as restful because I didn't really rest. (laughs) A lot of waking up and drinking tons of water to, you know. Liquefy or hydrate the mouth hole. Yeah. That's imagery right there. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, we are back. Uh, It is a good time. We're happy to be back. Mm -hmm. Episode 477, well, on our way to 500 numbered episodes. Uh, Before we left, we talked about several topics and reached out for listener communication, as we always do. One was about uh, New Year's resolutions. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of, Pessimistic. A little scrooge Yeah. Yeah, about New Year's resolutions. and Scrooge mainly, McDuck. Mainly because they don't usually work.
3: Mm.
1: And so I'm like, eh, I'm not going to, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym. And then I don't. And it's like, well, no. mm-hmm. I guess it's on me is the reason that I don't really. <laughs> I'm not too into them.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But we had a couple calls, and we want to get to those.
5: Hey, guys. It's Chris from Oklahoma City. And I just got done listening to 476. And you got me thinking about New Year's resolutions. Does it really count as a resolution if it's something that I'm continuing from last year? My social media boycott is still going strong, and I'm trying to read as much as I can this year and learn as much as I can about a variety of different subjects. Anyway, that's what I'm doing. I hope you guys had a good vacation. And, as always, Brittany is the best part, but Jesse D is pretty cool, too, bro. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
3: Uh,
5: <laughs> I am uh,
1: I think it does work mm-hmm. if it's a continuation,
3: mm-hmm. because it's just,
1: you're still a work in progress. Yeah. The goal.
3: Hmm. Well, I think that that's what your issue is, primarily with New Year's resolutions, is everyone kind of... Decides on this day with everyone else that the yeah, change yeah, is yeah. going to happen, and they put a lot of stake in the change happening right away being monumental and immediate. And it's harder for people to make changes, especially from a routine that they're used to and the way that they live their lives. You have to give yourself some space and take steps and figure out a way to implement the change in small ways in order to keep it longer lasting and and make it a regular part of your actual day.
1: Yeah. You you just want to have the trend line moving in in the right direction, even if it's you know, a uh, uh, slow.
3: Yeah. If you're like, I'm going to go to the gym every day and you're someone who never goes to the gym, right? right. that is not going to work. Maybe you want to start, I'm going to go to the gym twice a week. And then in February, I'll go three times a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Kind of build up to that and, and have it be a slow incremental change. But again, people don't like that. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Let's get to Nathan.
6: Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Nathan in Denver. Uh, hey, I suppose you've probably already cut the episode, but- We did not. I wanted to touch base about, you know, quote unquote resolutions for 2019. Uh, I could call in about some political issues I've got right now regarding the immigrant stuff, but I figure I'll try and keep it light. So in 2018, um, I did accomplish quite a few of my goals. I read more books than I did in the previous year, I got into yoga, I started taking care of myself mentally, I started seeing a therapist, little things like that. I know that uh, Jesse had said not to talk about, you know, going into gym and stuff like that, but I think the big thing for me is just leading a more active lifestyle in this year. in addition to that, I am also trying to do what you guys are doing with more travel. Uh, with the caveat of uh, money being kind of tight right now, we, my wife and I, that is, are thinking of just trying to start kind of an adventure club between our friends where we go on little day trips or weekend trips to the surrounding areas. Anyway, um, maybe I'll call back in with issues surrounding immigration but uh for now keep up the good work
1: that's uh i think a great idea well one it it kind of exemplifies what you were talking about
3: Mm -hmm.
1: what the trend line thing where you are just general your activities greater you, you know uh i can't think help me out with what exactly you said I'm
3: uh, about doing the incremental. Idea. You're not
1: helping me out. The
3: incremental change. Yeah,
1: incremental change. That's yeah. right. Well, I See, think that's too many syllables for me right now.
3: I think that it's good too, just to say I I would like to be more active. Yes. I mean, it might be it might be pretty general, but if you say I want to be more active, and then you choose different ways that that can happen, yeah. Then I think that that's a good a good method to implement change too.
1: And then the other point that I think is awesome is like the Adventure Club. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to take major trips that are like a production. Yeah. I have one of my major regrets after having lived in Washington, D.C. as long as I did mm. is not taking it. Like, I never went up in the Washington Monument. I never took a White House tour. What? There are all kinds of shit that I didn't do. Yeah. Um. I've never been to Mount Vernon. I've never like all of the awesome history there. And I'm a history nerd. Yeah. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. And a lot of that's free. A lot of that is 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 right there total regret total yeah. regret and it doesn't matter you don't have to live in such a storied place
3: mm-hmm. every
1: place across america is uh filled with all kinds of cultural and and awesome wonder yeah that you could explore mm-hmm. and really get into your community or you know the surrounding areas around you and i think that's a that's an awesome goal for the year
3: yeah and i think i was reminded of how badly I have been failing at this while living in California. When Mm -hmm. I first moved here... I was going to LA and taking my friends from out of town to Hollywood and and going all these different yeah. places. <laughs> I know, whatever. And um and I'm close to Phoenix where my lifelong best friend lives and I would drive there and visit him. Um but I haven't been driving to other places. And yeah. Like the Grand Canyon isn't that far away. I have never been there. And taking this trip to Big Bear made me realize, "Hey, you live in a Central area where you can drive to these places pretty easily. Yeah. And you should be doing that. I think we will. So I'm going to steal that New Year's resolution.
1: Yeah. And Nathan and
3: make it my own. <laughs> Thank you.
1: That is awesome. We appreciate those calls. Um, so the other topic that we talked about last week was Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from um, Michigan's 13th district. And she Well, I will just a uh, little reminder
7: people love you and you win Woo! and when your son looks at you and says mama look you won bullies don't win and i no. said baby they don't because we're going to go in there we're going to
3: impeach the motherfucker
1: so we we posed we posed the question as to whether or not this was not appropriate but is this good strategy i think a lot of people took us incorrectly on how we asked it mm-hmm. now, you know not necessarily should she have said it i guess maybe that is what we were asking but i think cuz i i have said that this resonates with me
3: yeah yeah and i think you made that pretty clear i think most people know that we're not sitting here like oh my god the naughty word yeah
1: she sure. said
0: a naughty word
1: <laughs> so uh we got a few calls on that and we want to address that a little further hi this is charity
0: from cincinnati um my last the last voicemail I tried to leave, my phone decided to freeze. So, anyway, I'm going to try to record one again. So, um, as I was saying, I am ambivalent um, about Rashida Slave, um, Congresswoman Rashida Slave. I think that what she said uh, represents how most of us feel on the left, uh, at least the progressive left. Um, I think a lot of us are very frustrated. Um, So it kind of captured that gut feeling. But at the same time, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that um, when they go low, we go high is working for us anymore. It should work in theory, right? We, we should be the good guys and the underdogs. And, and uh, at the same time, I would love for there to be civil discourse and people speaking their mind in a way that's constructive and helpful. I don't know that what she said is helpful. Is it meaningful? Hell yes. Uh, helpful? No. And Mitt Romney, I'm not surprised by any of his behavior. Um... I think he's been this way all along. Um, I'm really not surprised by the response of Republicans to his behavior. Um, It's just who they are. Um, So um, I would love for him to come out and, and be completely against all of Donald Trump's actions and behaviors, but it's not going to happen. He's in it for himself, like most of the Republican Party is. So it just depends on the day. Um, anyway, so that's me, Charity from Cincinnati. Sorry about the weird message. And thank you for moving the conversation forward. We really love your show. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Charity.
3: I One thing that stood out to me about the voice memo was the comment about I'm not sure that Going when they go low, we go high is working mm-hmm. anymore, and I guess my question for that would be: What is the metric by which we're measuring whether or not that's working? Is it Trump's approval rating, which, w- according to the latest YouGov poll, is forty percent with fifty-four percent disapproving yeah. of his job performance? Um,
1: it's as bad as it's been at, from uh, for just about any point. I mean, there, it's been a little lower at one point. But that's pretty goddamn low.
3: Right. And then I, I think of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama being voted the most admired man and woman in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, how the majority of Americans do not support the border wall. <laughs> um, how Hillary Clinton got the popular vote. Uh, how the Democrats just took back the House. You know, I think of these little data points and I wonder, well is it really not working or are we just not seeing enough of yeah, what we would like sure. to see? Um, it's not moving as fast as we would like it. There's not forceful condemnations coming from the people that we would like to see them uh, from and, and things like that. That's maybe coloring that a bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm being yeah, too no, optimistic.
1: No, I don't think so. I, I, I look at it this way. If you're outraged about Donald Trump and the way he acts and the things that he says, then that outrage shouldn't be spared for people of your own party. If you think that it's terrible when Donald Trump con- uh, conducts himself as he conducts himself, then it should be the same feeling and emotion and reaction should be held for Rashida Tlaib. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not clutching pearls here because I don't, I don't think it's that big a deal. But she is an elected official who represents people. And if we want to hold ourselves to a higher standard and say we're better than Donald Trump, he is unprecedented. He he is is terrible on an unprecedented scale. If you want to say that, then don't clap and applaud and cheer when your congresswoman does something that is also unprecedented and um, down in the mud. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not making a value judgment here because I've said worse of Donald Trump, and maybe I'm using this as a scapegoat, as a to kind of distance myself from it. Maybe I'm being weak here by saying, "Yeah, but I'm not a congressman."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe that's a cop out. I don't know. I don't think it is, but it could be.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and maybe I'm just vulnerable because I'm a sick, sickly little, little whiny right now. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so the the other thing that Charity said that I think is is um, insightful is the helpful versus meaningful is it meaningful yeah fuck yeah it is mm-hmm. fuck that guy but is it helpful is it helpful how is that going to move the needle yeah because people who agree with the sentiment they're not going to agree more with the sentiment mm-hmm. and I don't know you're driving anybody who's who's in the Trump camp or swaying that way toward the impeachment camp yeah so charity good, good call thank you very much we appreciate it uh, moving on same topic Good evening, Jesse
8: D. and Brittany P. I just want to give you my two cents as the local Mexican here in Ventura County on the whole impeach the motherfucker thing that uh, you guys were talking about. And uh, only recently did uh, my wife tell me something that I always knew but never realized, and that's that as a minority, we have to work twice as hard to get half as far. And um, I want to use that as the reference to this message Um, you just talked about how diverse this house is and the difference in people religion and color that uh, we just elected and with diversity comes scrutiny and unfortunately right now the right is scared of diversity and they're gonna find any excuse to basically talk shit i mean they just tried to crucify AOC over a dance video for crying out loud. I mean, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, my point is that I believe we have to be held to a higher standard. And I agree with Jesse. I would say a lot worse things had I been in their shoes. Um, but my point is that I am not an elected official. I am not in the public eye. I am just your average Joe. And we should... Expect more from the people that we look up to and from the people that are, are representing us. So, those are my thoughts. And, uh, Brittany, you're the best part. Okay, bye. Love the show.
0: Brittany's the best part.
8: Bye.
3: Yeah, I, we didn't talk about the. Thank you for the call, by the way. Um, I, I like the part where you talked about the dance video, Ocasio Cortez, because. That was really ridiculous.
1: Really weird. I
3: mean, how many Republicans were furiously jerking off just before <laughs> sending their very disapproving tweet? Right. <laughs> right?
1: Dick in hand, tweeting with the other about how they, oh, this video's the worst. Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah no one's buying it, okay?
1: Uh, no one's buying it. No kidding, no one's buying it. Yeah. Dickholes. <laughs> Um, it is, listen, w- when you do, when you're in the job that Brittany and I are in, it, you know, the outrage machine can, it does influence mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to be great to talk about. And we really try yeah, not to get caught up in the cycle of, uh, like we're getting ready to talk about the Louis CK thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to just react like, oh, oh. I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be. More thoughtful about things. Are there times where we get sucked into it? I'll speak for myself. Me? Yeah, fuck yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a human being. I know, I am I seem godlike <laughs> with my sniffly nose.
7: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, and this is one of those things. I don't want to get caught up in the outrage on either side of the issue with this Rashida Talib thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I really posed it to the audience. Look, I, I understand... Um, but, you know, I'm not going to keep repeating everything we've said. Yeah. Let's get to the next call. We appreciate the last call very much. Didn't say your name in yes. the on the, you did in the email, but not on the call. So we're not going to, we're not going to out you. Yes. I guess.
7: <laughs> hey guys, Mindy from Utah here. I was just calling in to uh, talk about the comment by Rashida Tlaib about, you know, we're going to impeach the motherfucker comment. And I just wanted to say that, uh, it shouldn't be swear words that we're getting offended by. It's the content of our speech that matters. And we live in a time where Trump is lying, constantly lying, and tr- saying some seriously horrible things. And, and taking people down and ruining our country with the content of his speech. We cannot get offended over words like motherfucker. We're bigger than that. And to be right honest with you, that is who we are as Americans. And, uh, you know, I grew up Mormon. Mormon. And if there's anything I learned, (laughs) never trust someone who doesn't swear. Um, (laughs) people can say some truly shitty fucked up things with a smile on their face and the nicest words. So, you know what, if this, if Rashida wants to come out and say, we're going to impeach the motherfucker, I say, good for you girl. And you put that out everywhere because if I was her, I think I'd say a lot worse. So, um, that's all. Love what you guys do. And, uh, Brittany, you are the best fucking part. Love you guys. <laughs> Love to show Brittany's
3: the best part. Bye. Thank you for that. That was forceful. I appreciate it. Um, let me let me
1: I see you're getting ready to say something, but let me let me um I, I don't disagree with anything that that Mindy said. Mm-hmm. But again, it brings us back to, well, it doesn't really bring us back to, it's 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 this this isn't about that she used a curse word and one words matter language is powerful. So it does matter the language and the words that she uses. She is taught. Now listen, Donald Trump is happens to be president and it is a bummer because he has sullied the office in a way that it's never been done. I believe. And there, there is something noble about the office of the president just because there's a temporary moratorium on nobility because of his his <laughs> occupation of the office,
3: uh-huh.
1: it doesn't mean that we shouldn't respect the president. He, here's my deal, okay?
3: Shouldn't respect the office? Yeah, he,
1: yeah. Here's the deal: is I don't want us to enter into this new territory where if um, we get another uh, uh, Democrat, let's say we get a Democrat in there, uh, someone who's noble and decent, let's say we have a Barack Obama in there. Mm-hmm. And just Republicans willy-nilly saying, we're going to get rid of this motherfucker. I don't want, once we get a normal Republican back in office or a normal Democrat back in office, I don't want this to be the new norm. Mm-hmm. And we have a younger generation that's coming up that just got involved in politics with Donald Trump that only knows this as the way American politics works. We're going to have to work very hard to unlearn a bunch of things as a nation And I don't want us to go over the cliff. Am I, am I, like I said, I'm not, oh my God, I'm so upset about, I don't really care about this. I'm looking at the larger picture from a 30,000 foot view, I hope, of not wanting to drive off that cliff. That's what I'm talking about.
3: And I think Mindy might be speaking to Republicans who are trying to feign outrage about the cuss word. That's what they're commenting on. Absolutely. That that's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And. I mean, again, we talk about this all the time. The people who try to act pious, what are they doing in private? Come on. yeah. You're mad that she said, motherfucker. You say it. You've said it. Come on now. I I mean, we all have to pretend that that this isn't how people talk and and that these words aren't being used. I mean, yes, I know that there are some people who don't like the swears and they don't do that, but come on.
1: Get over yourself. That's not my issue. It's really more the the larger larger metric. Yeah. Thank you, Mindy, for the call. We appreciate it. And um, oftentimes, I come across like I'm disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. I I agree. It's just the
3: illness. It's yeah, just maybe the that's illness. It I'll just
1: I'll yeah. I'll blame it on that. Here, listen. <laughs> oh, yeah, sniffly sniff. <laughs> All right, let's let's do move on to this Louis C.K. thing. We've been talking about. Um, I guess just for one episode, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Louis C.K. gave his. his There's somebody recorded a like two minute section of his set where he talked about uh, identifying as a location, you know, just hacky bullshit, already said they weren't funny the first time they were told. Mm-hmm. They certainly weren't funny when Louis C.K. said the exact same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, But we reached out for some comment from the audience, and uh, you guys are the best, and you for sure got to us with it, so.
3: I also wanted to say that um, we received a voicemail from Mark the Mailman, and I did not want to play it because um, it is a perfect example of like what it is like to interact with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And (laughs) um, I mean, he talked about how he's still right about Gavin McGinnis, you know, how Louis CK, that this was consensual. I mean, it's just obvious that this person is not doing their due diligence in order to educate themselves. So I have a few recommendations for Mark. Um, Number one, go reread the article that was out about Louis C.K., the New York Times article that first broke all this. um, I believe it was published in November. Let me just scroll up here. I read the whole thing again today. Uh, November 2017, November 9th, 2017. Go ahead and reread that um, and you can understand what actually happened in terms of the consent Um, And you can also understand what happened when the most powerful comedian learned that women were talking about the things that he had done and what his little minions did to these women who were just starting out their careers and how these women were boxed out of opportunities because of the powerful man that is Louis C.K., go read about that. And then also, um, there's like a a Gavin McGinnis article that we posted to the I Doubt It page that took me probably two hours to get through. (laughs) Um, A lengthy commentary collecting all of the data points about his racism throughout the years. Go ahead and read that. Uh, Really sit with it. Look at the primary sources that are linked to in that. And then we'll see if you still Think you're right about Gavin McGinnis, but until those things happen, until you actually show yourself to be the person that is doing their due diligence to be worthy of being on the other side of a conversation that we're having, um, I'm I, I'm not interested in platforming your your voice memos. So, with that said,
9: hey guys, it's Andy from Oklahoma. Um, on this Lucy K thing, you know, I I heard I hadn't heard the set until you guys played it. And I I kept thinking like, I wonder how bad it really, really is because, you know, if done right, you know, if, if people approach a joke about some pretty heavy shit from the right angle, then it's not so bad. Like people can sort of, you can still get a laugh out of it. It's all about the meaning behind it. And we're all smart enough to know and to understand the meaning behind when, when people make jokes like this. And not to not to advertise for other podcasts or anything, but I just I keep thinking about the the you know the cognitive dissonance guys and the skating atheist guys. They on their podcasts they say some horrible horrible shit, but you can tell it comes from a place of satire, and it's they're they're drawing a circle around how absurd the whole thing is. I mean, they're not actual pedophiles and rapists and and racists and things like that, but the way that they the way that they approach their jokes and the way that they approach the the content and the and the the subject matter, you can tell that they're they're basically just pointing and and drawing a circle around how evil the people that are those things uh, really are. Whereas Louis C.K. just comes off as just mean and just lazy and, and mean spirited and just a jerk. So I mean, you can say anything. But people are smart enough to understand the context, and people are smart enough to understand when you're coming from a place of, look how absurd this is, as opposed to, kids are dumb, and they didn't get shot. You know, like, that's, it's just, it's just stupid. So, anyway, I, the PC culture thing, I think, is comes from people who are not, not are, are maybe too lazy to come up with material that fits these days. So, anyway, uh, I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> the, the buy never gets old
3: yeah I also wanted to and we we forgot to do this because I'm
1: serious about that too by the way I, I said it and then I thought about how I said it and it sounded like I was being a dick about it really I love the anyway fuck
3: um, sniffly yeah Jesse D's tired everybody again if there's anything that he says that you don't like he's tired anything that he does that you don't anyway, like anyway that's is not what I'm saying tired
1: anyway it Anyway, I don't need excuses made for me. I'm just, I'm overthinking. Mm. I'm overthinking.
3: Okay. So. Anyway, I
1: think you had something to say.
3: Yes, yes. As I'm
1: rambling here, mm -hmm. maybe should I continue to ramble? No,
3: please stop. So I, we've also been talking about other comedians' reactions, and I think that, that some of those reactions may not be convincing because of the type of comedian it's coming from. You
1: mean like some people don't have the respect for like Judd Apatow, who has been yeah. very critical of Louis C.K.?
3: Right. Or what John Mulaney had to say about PC culture, like we talked about last time. Yeah. But how about Ricky Gervais?
1: Right. Who, who's more um, Louis C.K.-esque? Right. Yeah.
3: Uh, here's what he tweeted when all this came out. Please stop saying, quote, you can't joke about anything anymore. You can. You can joke about whatever the fuck you like. And some people won't like it. And they will tell you they don't like it. And then it's up to you whether you give a fuck or not. And so on. It's a good system. Yeah. Okay. So that's basically what this comes down to. You can say, oh, people are too PC. You can't say anything anymore. No, you can. Yeah. And everyone is going to decide. That's why you're seeing all of these reactions. And... Again, we are people, I guess I'll I'll turn it around and speak for myself, even though I know this is true of you, who love Louis C.K. I loved yeah. Louis C.K. I loved his comedy. I thought he was very intelligent. And that's what makes this so disappointing, is that, that you know he knows better.
1: That's the that's the descriptor. It's disappointing. I saw all kinds of tweets from people I don't think listen to the show, who were like, oh, you just, you're up your own ass with your PC nonsense or whatever. I'm not saying that I'm. Oh my God! I can't believe it's disappointment on my part. Right. I still think chewed up and the, his other his other specials are genius. Mm-hmm. They're great. Mm-hmm. This is a different Louis. Something is going on. I am a fan of Louis C.K. I'm familiar with his work. I've purchased many things from Louis C.K. net for the five dollar mm-hmm. price that he charges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bought Horace and Pete.
3: Yeah. Which was terrible. Right. Well, and I wanted to read this tweet because it also speaks to uh, a voice memo that we got that we're not playing that I referenced earlier, because when there's just comments that are made where people like aren't hearing what you're saying and they're just operating on uh, blah, blah, like uh, robot mode right, right. about autopilot, just responding without listening. It's not a conversation, you know, yeah. like, listen to what we're saying. Really take it in, bro. And then respond, you know?
5: Bravo! I wasn't
1: on it. Sorry.
3: Uh, <laughs> but if Ricky Gervais is saying this, hopefully this will convince well, again, some people to like let go of this talking
1: listen, point. Listen, again, it's not that they can't say anything they want. It, that's not the outrage machine that is the internet. It's going to happen. People are going to be pissed off about jokes. When the N-word thing, people use the word resurfaced from the HBO series Funny, talking, talking funny, funny or whatever. <laughs> it didn't resurface. It's still streaming on fucking HBO right now. Nothing, it didn't get put away to resurface. Mm-hmm. It, it's that's the that's the thing I don't want to be a part of is that that aspect of the internet. This is this is Louis coming back too soon, is what this is. And the reason he is champing at the bit to come back too soon is because he feels wronged. This is what I believe. And he wants to come back with a with a with a fierceness, not having done the work on himself, the self-reflective um comedy
3: that he's that, that he's used to that doing. That he is
1: so known for. Right. He could come back and it could be awesome. Yeah. He could talk about mm-hmm. the power dynamic. It could still be a fucking hilarious thing about him jerking off, since so much of his comedy is about jerking off.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm disappointed. Anyway. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much, Andy. Uh, one more call on the Louis C.K. thing.
2: Hey, guys. It's Dan from Oceanside. I uh, just wanted to follow up with your discussion about Louis C.K. and political correctness and you know, comedians and conservative comedians and all that. Um, there's a lot of crossover in my industry between comedians and musicians. And, you know, I'm relatively friendly with, you know, I have a couple acquaintances that do that. Um, and I was asking one about the like he does he does theaters and colleges and writes on a TV show so i mean he he's got to walk a lot of lines to stay employed and he had a point not to betray you know, i'm not going to say his name because i don't want to get him in trouble or anything but he had a point that i thought was really strong is that there's a reason conservatives aren't funny and there aren't cons- funny conservative comedians and the more conservative guys become in their old age say a Dennis Miller the less funny they become uh And that is, it's not funny to just find the the open nerve that people are sensitive about, whatever it is to whoever, and just prod at it, and go, oh, can't you believe I'm doing this? This is crazy, right? I'm saying the stuff I'm not supposed to say. That's not funny. And that's what (laughs) Tim Allen thinks is funny, but it's not funny. What's funny is having, you know, it's what made Bill Hicks or George Carlin or Bill Burr or any of these guys, what makes them funny and what made Louis C.K. funny is that they have these insightful, thoughtful discussions on topics that people are, are maybe a little afraid to talk about uh, because they are kind of sensitive. But when they, when you have something thoughtful to say, not just, oh, why the kid went to a high school that got, you know, kids got shot. Why should I listen to him? That's just outrage for the sake of outrage. There's no, there's nothing interesting there. Um, and I think that the the people most complaining about the PC culture are the ones that don't, that just can't find the humor in things. I mean, Anthony Jeselnik is insanely offensive on, on its surface, but because he's being thoughtful and coming up with interesting takes on things that people are afraid of, but you also he puts out that you know it's in good fun, he's not being serious. Uh, and it's it's basically in a mode of, like, telling us to lighten up. And there is a line to walk. I mean, if he if he went, like, a notch further, he would be in that, like, danger zone. But he knows where that is, and he's smart. And so good comedians can walk the line like that. This Louis C.K., I lost $20 million, so I'm going to rub people's nose in it thing, just isn't thoughtful or provocative or interesting, to be honest. So uh, I, I think that it'll be the death of his career, because he's lost the thing that made him interesting. Um, anyways, guys, uh, I... It's it's such an interesting time because you get to see who the people who are actually thoughtful uh, are and who aren't. So, anyways, love the show.
3: I have to say, as a tremendous Tim Allen fan, <laughs> I am <laughs> I am very offended. Um, I agree. Th- 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 there
1: was something very profound at the end there, and that. It very well could be that Louis C.K. is no longer funny because he's lo- he lost that thing within himself to be introspective to find the interesting aspect of a conversation. Mm-hmm. That would be a bummer. Yeah, but it you know, and we 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 won't know from a two minute snapshot of him working through a set if that's the case. But
3: well, and here's here's something that I just thought of. Looking back on the show Louis and a lot of the. Um, Segments. I don't know what to call them, uh, storylines that he had featured about men and women and power differentials and um, sex and all of those talk topics, those big topics that he would do. And even this movie that didn't come out because... Uh,
1: the one, the black and white one. Right,
3: where he is, or it's about like a creepy older man, almost like a Woody Allen type thing, but someone who's abusing their boundaries and crossing boundaries that they shouldn't and using their power in an inappropriate way with vulnerable people. I almost wonder if now that it's been found out that he was like that and that maybe those weren't commentaries on something he felt passionate about, but maybe just how he was inside now he doesn't know what to do because everyone kind of found out yeah. who he really is and what those were really about, the commentary on his own behavior. Um, and until he does some work to like fix the broken parts of himself that cause him to abuse his power and take advantage of vulnerable people.
1: Yeah, l- listen, let us l- I know you're not dancing around it, but l- I want to use very precise language here. It's not just abusing his power. He abused other human beings. Mm-hmm. He abused women. It's and I'm not I'm mean, yelling because I'm yelling and they can't hear very well, but stop
3: yelling at me. Uh,
1: it, it, it isn't just an abuse of power.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He used his pa- power to abuse other fucking people. That's that's the sign of not a good person.
3: Well, and there was a lot of controversy when the episode where Louis and Pamela Aldon or Adlon, Adlon, right, yeah, <laughs> wherever the L and D goes, um, and and he like wouldn't let her leave the apartment. Yeah, he like, put his Louis. arm up in the hallway. Yeah, and there was this. It didn't l-
1: strike me as odd. When I watched the episode there was a
3: long scene about him basically trying to fuck her and she did not want that and she was trying to leave and he would not let her leave and there were some negative reactions to it yeah
1: there were for sure
3: but his position apparently was trying to show how that goes down and highlighting the importance of that very common interaction well that's what we thought right that it was this very important social commentary But what was it really? Yeah. Was it something that Louis does? Was it something that he wants to do? What was it really? And now we're all left wondering. And without him doing, like you said, the necessary work on himself and revealing it. Without
1: him doing what he said what he was going to do, which was take a long time to listen. I'm going to be quiet now and take a long time to listen since I've spent so much time talking. And then he didn't do that. He took fewer than 12 months to do it. Yeah. That's my problem. Mm -hmm. He didn't do what he was going to fucking say and do the work on himself to come back Mm -hmm. and be the Louis C.K. we fucking love. Mm -hmm. So I guess generally I just feel fucking cheated. It's personal for me. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, man. You owe me more.
3: i spent five dollars i've spent five dollars several
1: times on your site bro you know what i mean
3: several times several times probably totaling twenty dollars yeah i've
1: probably given you forty (laughs) five dollars i'm owed
3: yeah more yeah
1: you need to go and spend thousands of dollars on therapy because i've spent forty five dollars get on it louis now
3: let me do to you what you did to me the women also deserve more jesse don't forget about the women
1: Nah, it's about me. <laughs> it's all about me.
3: It goes both ways, you see.
1: Anyway, we're still taking calls on this if somebody disagrees about whatever. You know, 657-464-7609. We, we appreciate all of your guys' listener communication. You can also uh, email and voice memos to the to the show from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. Support for I Doubt It with Dolamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and... Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon, your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the
2: conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit Patreon.com/slash. I doubt it with
1: Dollamore. Richard. Richard.
3: Richard is our latest Patreon supporter, and we also want to announce the winner of the contest.
1: Winner of. The contest. You
3: remember, we did this. I do
1: remember. We did
3: this a few months ago.
1: We did this. I'm done.
3: Okay. We <laughs> we had um, a listener co-host the show with us, and it was so much fun, we decided to do it again, and we had several people say, I'm in. Many people said, I'm not in. Um, but of the people who said, I'm in, we have a winner.
1: Marcus from North Carolina.
3: Boom. Marcus, we're so excited. Thank you for your support. We're excited to have you on the show. We'll
1: be reaching out via Patreon.
3: Right. And if you are super bummed that your name was not said into the microphone right now, do not feel sad. We're
1: going to do it again.
3: Yes. This is something we're going to do periodically. I don't think we've set a time limit for how often we're going to do it, but um, we are wanting to find new ways to give back to our Patreon supporters because... You are the reason we do this. That's right. You're the reason we continue doing it, because of your support. So we are doing that monthly newsletter. Uh, $20 and up patrons are going to be getting that monthly newsletter. You should have already received the initial welcome email, welcoming you to the Dollamore Producers Newsletter. That's what it's called. I thought that I would get like a really excited reaction from Jesse, but there was none. And you can, anytime someone joins for that amount, they will be added to the list. So don't worry about it. Um, But we will be sending that out before the end of the month. And we're already collecting the articles and it's going to be awesome. In addition to that, someone reached out to me recently, a few people, and said, hey, are you going to be doing an Ask Me Anything again? Oh, really? Yeah. And so I think we should do that. Uh, I th- that w-
1: that was a good time last time, yeah,
3: probably in maybe about a little,
1: maybe a little too much wine was drank, <laughs> but it was a good time. it
3: was like a three hour ask me anything yeah. episode. <laughs> Um, but we're going to do that again. So that, that will be for Patreon supporters only. We'll send out an email. You can respond with yeah, a that'll be behind
1: the paywall, which we usually don't do.
3: Right. And that way you guys can ask us things that aren't necessarily related to politics. And it gives you a chance to kind of interact with us on a more personal level as well. Yes. So we will be rolling out that message soon. Look for it on Patreon. And thank you guys so much for all of your support.
1: Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Big time breaking news, which we don't usually break. And probably by the time you listen to this, it probably won't be broke by us anyway, because you're going to be listening delayed. However, as we're doing the show, not planned, Brittany is reading right now. Things are happening on the Mueller front related to Paul Manafort redacted documents have actually been deciphered
3: kind of this is kind of an oopsies on Mueller's part yeah, it yeah. looks like because these are failed re- redactions and what happened was the documents were released the PDFs were released and journalists were able to highlight the redactions in the PDF copy the text paste it and oh. then they could see What was redacted.
1: And that which was redacted is now telling us that Paul Manafort, during the 2016 elections, was giving polling data to the Russians, which now we have a direct collusion uh, relationship between the Donald Trump campaign, the campaign chairman of Donald Trump's campaign, and the Russian government.
3: Yeah. So Robert Mueller is accusing Paul Manafort of sharing polling data on the 2016 election with a Russian man linked to Moscow's intelligence agencies. Attorneys for Manafort inadvertently disclosed the allegation in a court filing on Tuesday. Sections of the filing were meant to be redacted, but the text underneath several blacked out lines could be copied and viewed. So I guess I said Mueller made an oopsies, but it's actually Manafort's attorneys yeah. that made an oopsies.
1: So so here, here here's the deal.
3: I, how? Why would I think it was Mueller? Of course, it's not Muller.
1: Hey, he does not make mistakes. Come on, Brittany. He's like a, like you were doing the robot earlier. Yeah, he is like a fucking robot. Yeah, he's an indictment robot. Did you? I'm coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Did you read that, that article about how when he has dinner parties at his house, he flicks yes. on and off the lights to make people leave? Like
1: promptly at 9, at 8.55, so yeah. you have five minutes to get the fuck out? Yeah. Amazing. All right, party's over. Yeah. I've got to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I have indictments to pre- pre- prepare. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So here's the deal. You're going to hear, and I'm just assuming you're going to hear, because we're just hearing about this right fucking now. You're going to be hearing all kinds of people say, well, yeah, but that's them sending polling, polling data to Russia. That's not what, there's no collusion, though. If you think that the Donald Trump campaign is providing that kind of campaign intelligence to Russia with getting nothing in return, you're out of your motherfucking mind. This is a smoking gun. This right here is the biggest day since this investigation began. We have many, we have had many in the past biggest days. This is getting to the mountaintop. This is a big fucking deal.
3: The allegation relates to Manafort's association with Kiliman, Kilimanik. Am I saying that right?
1: I have no idea.
3: A Russian political consultant who worked for Manafort on campaigns in Eastern Europe, um, that's when he
1: was rigging elections uh, working for Ukraine, the, the Russian-friendly um, politicians who were Ukrainian.
3: Mm-hmm. Mueller, who is investigating, obviously, the Russian interference, said in a court filing in March last year that the FBI assesses that Kilimnik, <laughs> Kilimnik <laughs> I don't know, has, t- it's Kilimnik. Kilimnik. Yeah. has ties to a Russian intelligence service and had such ties in 2016.
1: Here's the other thing about these Russian operators. It can easily be said that you're dealing with the Russian government, even if you're dealing with a guy like uh, Dara Paschik. Dara pa- You know what I mean. <laughs> Stiffly.
3: <laughs> oh, what am I supposed to blame mine on? I'm sick too, guys. Brittany P. Yeah. <laughs> Just being Brittany P. <laughs> Just um, can't read, that's all. It's,
1: no oligarch works on their own. It's it's like, you could say Bill Gates um, is a guy that if you talk about him, you give information to Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation that it's completely independent of the government the way it works in in this new russian federation there there was a when the soviet union fell there was this effort where all of these uh wealthy individuals kind of centralized everything or decentralized everything and took power and when in 99 when the apartment bombing started going off at the hand of vladimir putin he he took power He centralized it, and then all of those men who were multi-billionaires were satellite around him. He controls them. They don't operate within Russia, whether they're the head of the, 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 the largest banks, whether they run the oil companies. They don't operate without his blessing, and they do his bidding. So even if you hear that it's a private citizen within Russia, nothing goes down. Without good old Vlad's approval. Mm -hmm. So this is a big, big deal.
3: Yeah. So again, the attorneys state in this court filing with the failed redactions that Mueller alleges that Manafort, quote, lied about sharing polling data with Mr. Kalimnik. Kalimnik. Thank you. (laughs) There's a lot of eyes and it really confuses my brain. (laughs) Related to the 2016 presidential campaign. Also... Um, in these documents, they say that Mueller alleges Manafort was in contact with someone who asked him permission to use Manafort's name as an introduction in the event that the person met the president. Wow.
1: Hmm. Big deal. It it does make you think. I mean, this could be just a mistake like, on the part of Manafort's attorneys.
3: Yeah. What are they doing?
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it's likely that, but. I'm going to have to once we finish the show, I'm going to dig into this a little a little deeper and find out of what I really think about, because what if they did this on purpose? Mm-hmm. And what if they're trying to leak information to the White House, let's say,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because the White House doesn't have copies of this, these redacted documents. Yeah, but they do now.
3: Mm-hmm. So I don't know.
1: We we'll, we'll we'll see. This big news though.
3: Well, again, I we during the Patreon midroll, I was telling you, "Oh, there's big stuff happening. We yeah. have to talk about it." <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, we are just reading it right now, trying to figure out what's going on, but one thing that we can say is that it doesn't seem normal to have the um, United States presidential campaign manager be interacting with a Russian intelligence asset no. and giving Information and.
1: Well, yeah, uh, for sure, not normal. Yeah, so. Kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big, bad deal. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that's happening is we are still in the midst of what is looking like to be the large, longest government shutdown in the history of the United States at the hands of Donald Trump. He loves being a record setter, no matter what the fuck it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, related to his, this is all related to the border wall. And he is planning to make an address to the nation tonight. And we're going to talk about that.
5: President Trump will address the nation in his very first primetime speech from the Oval Office to try to make his case on border security and the wall, and perhaps even to declare a national emergency to attempt to secure funding to build the border wall. Now, such a move, which the president has said he is seriously considering, would be highly controversial. This afternoon, Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas slammed the proposal after touring a border facility. It would be profoundly inappropriate for the president of the United
4: States to circumvent the legislative branch of the United States government, the United States Congress, and single-handedly, against the will of the American people and the American Congress, put up a border wall on the U.S.-Mexico
5: border. We would challenge it in every single way that we could. The president's national address will come before a trip that the White House just announced. President Trump will travel to the southern border with Mexico on Thursday. A senior Democratic aide also tells CNN that Senate Democrats will discuss at a weekly lunch Wednesday whether to begin trying to block all legislation on the Senate floor until a vote on reopening the federal government is held. All of this means, of course, that there will almost certainly be no progress on ending the government shutdown until Friday. It's a day that would tie the record for the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. CNN's Pamela Brown is at the White House right now. And Pamela, CNN is planning to air the speech. But as of now, do we know if any of the major networks are planning to carry the presidential address?
3: Uh, well, Jake, no word yet. On- well, we do know because yeah, we're
5: going to stop it there.
1: <laughs>
3: they have decided to run it. And, uh, I think that a lot of people are very unhappy with this, obviously, because Donald I, Trump, I'm one of them. Donald Trump is a liar and it's just going to be propaganda spewing out of his face. And unless they're planning to do a five minute delay and fact check all of the claims that are coming out of his mouth and have it right there on the screen, bolded, like maybe just covering the whole screen, like not showing him, um, even that, though, I don't know. I just don't think that this is good. Also, when you know that four years ago, all of the broadcast networks declined to air a primetime address on immigration from President Obama because they considered it, quote, too overtly political.
1: Right. Then what the fuck is this? Yeah. If Obama's thing, which, by the way, might have been overtly political, and that might have been the right move, why are they choosing now to air Trump's, which is obviously political, which is obviously going to be riddled with Complete fabrications, Mm
3: -hmm. total fucking lies. Yeah. I got a clip here. Go ahead. Well, I just have a question. I have a few questions. I have several questions. (laughs) What is he going to tell the American people that he hasn't already tried to tell the American people because they still don't support the border wall?
1: Well, let me say this, and I don't want to be an alarmist. However, after this news with the Mueller thing has broken, Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going to adjust his little speech to, to talk about the the, the the state of emergency, declare a national emergency to try to get the wall done. It seems like in reaction to one story, they, they're going to have to go big to distract from
3: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and that's a scary thought that Donald Trump has the power, the authority yeah. to do something like that, to you know declare martial law, mm-hmm. which is odd because I grew up in a family... That was always worried about presidential power running amok and, you know, declaring martial law and FEMA being this shadowy organization to take all your freedoms away. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who now support Trump. Yeah. Who don't seem concerned about a president having the unilateral power to declare a national emergency and then build a giant wall. Yeah. It just it's it is scary.
3: Yes. My other question is, how does this play into the narrative that the media is helping Donald Trump to advance his goals? How does uh, it play into that? Well, it, it plays directly into that's exactly <laughs> the right. narrative. Yeah. Where
1: it's evidence of it.
3: Yeah. I mean, we know what a liar he is. And the next clip that you're going to play, uh, Jonathan Karl is going to be highlighting yeah. several of those lies. Not
1: only do we know what a liar he is, the media fucking knows what a liar he is. And there's a different audience that you reach when you put things on national broadcast television, the network, CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC. This isn't like Fox News or CNN where you got to go there to get it. This is interrupting your regular scheduled program. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. And Donald Trump is a liar. Brittany just mentioned it. But listen to this clip from Jonathan, Jonathan Carl speaking to Vice President Mike Pence. About these lies. And he's going to ask him directly, what is it? Well, just listen and listen for Mike Pence's answer, which is conspicuously absent of one thing.
4: But more broadly, how can the president be, how can his word be trusted on this when he has said so many things that are just not true about this crisis? He said that Barack Obama has a 10 foot wall built around his house here in Washington. You know that's not true. He said that some of his predecessors told uh, told him that they wanted to build a wall but all four living presidents have now put out statements saying that they never had any such conversation with the president and then you saw uh, Sarah Sanders say that nearly 4,000 terrorists come into the country every year and and, you know that's not true either how how can the American people trust the president when he says this is a crisis when he says things over and over again that aren't true
10: well look the American people aren't as concerned about the political debate as they are concerned about what's really happening at the border. And that's, that's the what the president's been focusing on. Yeah, well, I mean, well, The White on. House
4: said nearly 4,000 terrorists you know, coming to our country. John, that's not
10: true. John, nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists were apprehended attempting to come into the United States through various means in the last
4: Overwhelmingly year. Overwhelmingly at airports, not at the border.
10: Yeah, but 3,000 uh, special interest individuals, people with suspicious backgrounds that may suggest terrorist connections were apprehended at our southern border last year alone seventeen thousand individuals with criminal histories were apprehended at our southern border literally billions of dollars of narcotics flow through our southern border ninety percent of all the heroin that comes into this country that claims the lives of three hundred americans every week comes through our southern border the passion you hear from president trump His determination to take this case to the American people, as he will tonight in his national broadcast from the Oval Office, comes from this president's deep desire to do his job to protect the American people. And we're going to continue to carry that case forward until the Democrats in Congress come to the table and start negotiating, not just to end the government shutdown, but to address what is an undeniable crisis at our southern border.
1: Fuck you. Here's what you didn't hear Mike Pence say. Wait, 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 Jonathan Carl. How dare you, sir? Donald Trump has never lied about anything. Those things you just said are absolutely true. There is a 10-foot wall around President Obama's house here in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump wasn't lying about that. You didn't hear it because he can't deny the truth here. Donald Trump is a fucking liar, a constant liar. Mm-hmm. And this address tonight is going to be filled with nothing but lies and not fact check. And the media is complicit in... in. Listen, I used to be a guy who said, well, listen, he's the president. You can't ignore the president. You can't not broadcast the president. Yeah, you fucking can. And yes, they should.
3: Yeah, I... this This clip... <laughs> Is wildly frustrating listening to these people. Um, but I want to remind everybody that um, a mid-December poll found that 54% of respondents opposed Trump's wall. Yes. Uh, that number even went up slightly by late December. And more than two out of three Americans do not think that the wall should be a political priority. Yet you have Donald Trump continuing to stick to this issue when even Republicans have said that this wall is pointless, right? Uh, Republican Representative Will Heard from the border state of Texas said in 2017, quote, I've made it clear time and time again that building a physical wall from sea to shining sea is the most expensive and least effective way to secure the border. You have all of these talking points that they keep talking about. We need border fencing. Well, there's already 654 miles of border fencing. Um, You have them talking about drugs coming into the country. Well, 90% of heroin enters through the southern border, um, but it's in legal shipments, hidden compartments smuggled into the United States in concealed compartments. Okay, it's not... And they're not
1: stopping all traffic. They're just putting up a wall.
3: Yes, and then the terrorists crossing the border, they continue to say this. No. Not happening. That's not That's not how that's happening.
1: Let me say a bit about Will Hurd first. Will Hurd, one, is a Republican, and he also is the congressman. His district has the largest amount of border mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. He, he has the, the district that contains the most Mexican-American border. Mm-hmm. He's also a former CIA operative. Not a dummy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Not a dummy. He's not been a Trump loyalist. He's still a Republican and really parses his words, but he has stepped out in opposition to Donald Trump. Right. This is a guy who I think does have his er, the earnest interests of his district at heart, especially related to this issue.
3: Right. And of course, we talked about how the majority of immigrants in the United States without authorization first entered the country legally and then overstayed their visas that's right and none of these things are going to be being talked about it's going to be the same thing that you keep hearing even though ms
1: 13 ali- right
3: even though illegal boarding crossing border crossings are significantly down all of these are facts they're facts yeah we're
1: in a moment of negative uh, immigration
3: yeah so what is it what does it matter what is the benefit what is it going to bring what is
1: it, it brings him being able to coddle his base. You know, oh, trust, this guy's going to be happy. Yeah. Any Hillary bitches on here? It's that guy. He's going to be fucking over the fucking moon because he is a, he, he is a, a neophyte mm-hmm. politically. Doesn't understand the way things work.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway. This is the crux. This is what we're talking about relative to the government shutdown. 800,000 people not knowing when their next paycheck is going to come. Some of Many of them, half of them, actually working and not going to be able to expect a paycheck. How? Who knows how many government contractors who might not get the back pay, likely will not get the back pay because of Donald Trump's fucking vanity project.
6: Ugh.
3: Taking care of biz, Pollyanna Viana.
1: Pollyanna Viana.
3: She is a UFC strawweight fighter. Now, if you're wondering what a strawweight is, I had to look it up. Uh, it is a division in MMA that generally refers to competitors weighing between 106 and 115 pounds. Wow. Okay.
1: She's a. A little, petite, little, little late, petite. Yeah,
3: but apparently she's not so petite in the fighting department because <laughs> she was in Rio de Janeiro and a man tried to rob her, and he doesn't look so good.
1: Yeah, it's not great.
3: So she did an interview and she said that she was waiting for an Uber. And then she was approached by a man. So this is what she said, quote, when he when he saw I saw him, he sat next to me. He asked me the time I said it and I saw he wasn't going to leave. So I already moved to put my cell phone in my waist. And then he said, give me the phone. Don't try to react because I'm armed. Then he put his hand over a gun. But I realized it was too soft. He was really close to me, so I thought if it's a gun, he won't have time to draw it. So I stood up, I threw two punches and a kick, he fell, then I caught him in a rear naked choke... (laughs) Then I sat him down in the same place we were before and said, now we'll wait for the police.
1: And she did just that. She held him until the cops got there. We'll post this article with his photo. Mm -hmm. I think she broke his fucking cheekbone.
3: He doesn't look good.
1: Yeah. He's looked better, I'm sure.
3: Mm -hmm. You know Uh, what he looks like? (laughs) He
1: kind of looks like those pig people on uh, on Twilight Zone.
3: Mm. That cheek that's all... Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that that's fair. That is accurate. (laughs) I'm looking at it; it's pretty disturbing. Um, And he didn't have a gun. It looks like um, a cardboard cutout that was bent into the shape of a gun. Uh,
1: That's not the same thing, guy.
3: Yeah, but this is pretty. This is awesome. And this is actually the second story I've seen this week about a woman taking care of biz with a dude who was violating her space. The other one is that McDonald's employee that got, that got into it with the white guy and the white guy reach across, reached across the counter and grabbed her by the shirt and pulled her forward because he wanted a straw. They were like arguing he was drunk and she was obviously caught off guard, but then she grabbed his shirt, pulled him in and started punching him in the face,
1: which by the way, I I believe she had every right to defend her her, person. Of course. That was insane.
3: And it was very impressive. Not... So impressive was all the men who were very useless standing around her not doing anything. But she was taking care of biz pretty well on her own. So it's
1: two. Two take care of biz.
3: Yeah, women really taking care of biz and protecting their boundaries and their space and their safety in public. I love it.
1: Yeah, more of that is a good, good thing.
3: Yes.
7: All
1: right, we're going to leave you there, you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us, um, even in the midst of my uh, sniffly ass sniffles. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you about these and any other topics that you find important. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit it at Dollamore.com. We would love your support on Patreon. If you love the show, you would be amazed at what two, three, four, five dollars a month does to help us out, keep the lights on, move the conversation forward and grow uh to be a better show for you. You can go to teamdolimore.com. We'd love to have you join the family. We will see you next time for episode 478. And until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
3: My lips turned into two scabs that I was rubbing together. Um... <laughs>